so everybody in the school just runs out and he's like sprints out into the jungle and he, like where do you go you're like 12 13 years old yeah. Yeah. where do you go only place he knew was home so he ran home to his village gets there and there's nothing there his whole his village had gotten bombed and like his family was nowhere to be found there's nothing Welcome to Overdue, where we cover stories of certified project starters and entrepreneurs, from college students to accomplished professionals. This week, we talked to Jacob Sweeney, a graduating senior at UAUC studying finance. Finance majors tend to be associated with drab stereotypes, but Jacob has endless stories. Constantly reiterating, whatever you do, don't become a bot. We talked about how meeting a man named Deloren Africa I was spending full days renovating houses in high school and enlisting in the National Guard, all formed who he is today and led to a great college experience. Hope you all enjoy. Like that'd be like good hypothetical. Like asked like like if someone had to get like a tattoo of like some form of meaning, like what would it be and why? And you have a tattoo that does have a lot of meaning. So do you wanna explain that story real quick? Yeah, I have three tattoos. You have one th- okay. one's like kind of dumb it's just like a flower yeah um and people think it's not real because it's like all it doesn't have any like black lines in it so yeah. like it looks yeah. like a stamp like someone just like stamped me yeah um and then i have one tattoo that's coordinates of a refugee camp in africa that like i lived near when i was like, like what, 12 13 i lived there for like almost a year um mm. and so that was like really meaningful to me um it's something i was gonna remember and like take with me um because yeah. you like forget like i feel like a lot of people have like these experiences where they'll like have some type of frame break mm. and so they, they thought of life one way and then yeah. they see something and it like kind of changes that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it's like changed it for a couple of days or like a, maybe a month or a year. Yeah. Yeah. And then like they slowly life calls and it brings back to where they regularly are. And then like they're just back to where they were yeah. and they forget that. And so the tattoo is kind of a reminder of like, that's where my frame was like broken. And I realized that like the world that is actually out there is so much different than like the one I'm in. Mm-hmm. And like my life is so small compared to like the universe and like, all the other people that are there, mm-hmm. all the other people that have different like lifestyles, lift different yeah. lack of opportunity or whatever it is. And yeah. so like that was a frame breaking thing. The other tattoo I have is it says sixty seconds. And basically the story is um a family friend of mine had like a near death experience. He was like mowing his friend's um farm like on the edges of the like the waterways or whatever and he gets he's like in a big tractor, gets to the top of one of the hills and like turns to the other side to like mow down the other side of the um street. And when he gets to the top, he like wakes up in a hospital, in like a in an ambulance with like the lights are flashing, the EMTs like looking down at him. He's like, "What happened?" And it turns out like when he got to the top, the brakes went on the tractor and like flipped over, and he was getting crushed underneath this like huge tractor. And this kid in like the field and like the next field over like ran a mile home, and like his mom called nine one one. They like got out the ambulance and everything. And as he wakes up and like sees like comes to and sees this like EMT looking down at him, he's, the EMTs like do what you have to do. Like, you're not going to make it. Like you have 60 seconds left to live. And he's like, during that, that 60 seconds, like his whole life flashed before his eyes. Like everything he did, didn't do the, the things he like said he was going to do. Didn't do the way he treated people, like his family, everything. And he's like, if you have that 60 seconds, would you be proud of like what you saw? Like if you, cause you don't know, like he wasn't planning to have that near that experience. Like you could walk right out here. We just finished this podcast. You are right there bam bus hits you and you're laying on the side of the road there's your 60 seconds yeah. would you be proud of like the way you lived your life or the way you like interact with people or the way you treated people whatever it is and so like I, that's another like reminder for me to just like live a life that i'd be proud of and not take anything i have for granted whether it's like the moments i have or even just like the opportunity and like the things that i've been given yeah. like just literally just because like i was born to a certain family or yes i like had some opportunity like some random guy talked to me and like now I'm in a different spot than I would have been otherwise that other people didn't have. Just like be grateful of like the things you have. Yeah. I like when when you said that explain that story when we were like lifting that one time, I was like, Oh my god. Like he's is listening to like one of your close friends, did you say? So he's I, I missed the like he's sixty four, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. So he's like one of my he's like one of my good friends, I would say. Like which is weird because like, a lot of people yeah. don't have like yeah. good friends yeah. that are like six in their sixties. <laughs> yeah. But like we go to lunch like once a month and we'll like talk and stuff he's like actually my boss for like one of my jobs oh, wow. um but he was like a family friend of mine that like i got close to yeah um because like, i feel like i mean people that are like of that age like have just have so much wisdom and like yeah knowledge that at like 20 21 22 whatever it is like you don't have that same experience like life experience that someone else mm-hmm. does yeah and so like if i ask like 
one of my friends for advice, like they they don't know as much as like he would, and like yeah. not to say his his like idea or whatever is better than theirs, but he just has more like wisdom to back it up, I guess, or more experience. Yeah, I want to ask you like what's what's like the best piece of advice that you'd say he's ever given you. So he gave me this this one piece of advice. I don't want to butcher it. Besides the tattoo one, basically the advice was like your life's going to be fine. Like take the time to make the experiences that you wish you're going to look back and wish you miss, you did. So basically he was telling me like he like got out of college and like went and got a job as like a police officer. He was a police officer for like almost 40 years and then retired. And now he like still he still like writes this newsletter to like all his like free like his police friends and like he like he's <laughs> super ingrained in that community so like yeah. that's been his whole life basically mm. and he's he said he's like looking back like there's a lot of things i wish i would have done that i like wanted to do when i was that age or like when i was younger that i didn't do that like looking back now i wish i'd done because that wouldn't have kept me from like getting to where i am now like nothing would have really changed except for the fact that he would have had this experience so he said like i wish i had more fun when i was like in my early 20s so for example he wanted to join the coast guard because he was like dude i'll have like yeah so much fun experiences like i'll have like a story to tell all these different things but he just never did it because he was like i don't want to put aside like my career or whatever it is that i want to do and he's like looking back now like i would have been fine if i did yeah. yeah so that was like good advice for me because personally i'm the same way like how i just have like one track minded on a lot of things yeah. and it's like i have to do this 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 but then you forget that like I mean, you'll the be fine. bigger picture yeah. of like how everything is. Yeah, you know that rem- that reminds me of something about like just making experiences when you're young. Like I'm going, I'm flying out to San Francisco this summer, and I'm trying to convince Isar to to fly out with me. So uh, that's just a you know good piece of uh, bol- bolstering a week. A week. What are you going to be doing there? Um, we have we have friends that are out there just like chill, enjoy enjoy the West Coast. Yeah, I've never been west of the of Denver. But I was at Denver, like, for the first, like, last summer. So before that, I'd never been west of Iowa, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that the one straight to our yeah, list? Yeah. yeah. California's <laughs> a great place to visit. Yeah. I don't know if it's such a great place to live, but, like, I would suggest it. It'd be fun. It'd be a good experience. Yeah. I think I think I was convinced, like, on the walk here and, like, before. But now I think... <laughs> I think I think I'm pretty convinced. So so what's what would what would be holding you back? Is it like money or time or what? What is it? It, it was okay. So it was honestly like time at time at home. So I have like a busy summer. We're going to like me and my family. We're going to see like my uncle in Europe for like mm-hmm. a month. Then coming back, we have a wedding for like three days. And if you know anything about like an Indian wedding, they last like four yeah. days. So that's like in New York. And then I have like three weeks at home before I have to go to like Cincinnati for this like. Procter and Gamble like internship thing and then after that I have like one week and I come back here so during those three weeks it's like either I take the one week and have like two weeks at home or I take the three weeks and just chill at home but honestly I think like looking at looking upon it like two weeks is enough at home like so I had sophomore year like you know like a bunch of people like want to get internships sophomore year yeah I was like okay I'll apply or like it's like leadership conferences or whatever it is like you try to get like some something something, right yeah and when I was in the National Guard, like they <laughs> they basically did uh, they had this thing like during it was like during COVID and they're like, all right, you're going to have to like come and give people COVID shots all summer. So I was like, shoot, all right, I guess I can't really apply for like any of these internships or something like that. And so because I was like planning, I was going to have to and I was going to have to leave school, school early because like May 1st, I was going to have to go. And I was going to be there all summer. Yeah. And literally like this day like two years ago like literally the day before may 1st they're like we don't need you anymore and i was like bro like i'd finished (laughs) all my finals early i talked to all my professors like i got everything done and i'm like now what it's too late like all the deadlines are gone like everything's done like everyone else has like their their internships or their like leadership conferences or whatever so i was like what am i gonna do this summer so i was like you know what screw it i'm just gonna like travel so i went to i was like in la for like two weeks and then i went to like like north of la for a week I was in like uh, Arizona for like a week, like uh, Tennessee for two weeks, and I had like the National Guard for like two weeks. So I was basically like I was home for like one week the whole summer. Yeah. And looking back, I would do it again for sure. So okay. I would suggest like I would say do it. All right. Yeah. What you got? What got you into the National Guard? Because I was like, that was that like the big th- first thing like that you joined? Like when you look back. I guess yeah. Like my high school was pretty small, right? so like I didn't really have 
like that many opportunities to do anything besides like sports and like mm-hmm. they're like student council but yeah. like student council is literally just like making poster <laughs> for prom so like it's yeah. not even cool yeah. if people put it like like dude i was a student council student body yeah. president yeah. you're like yeah you just yeah. made a poster for prom cool yeah so it's like there wasn't really much to do in my high school um like all people did was like work at burger king and like smoke weed and like so i didn't really do a ton of like extracurriculars i guess like the only thing i did was like i worked a job like doing contracting so like i don't know like rewiring houses and stuff like that (laughs) but it wasn't anything like super crazy and then i was like i'm not i wasn't planning on going to college like at all and like looking back now i'm really glad i did yeah talk about it but like yeah yeah but basically like i wasn't planning on really going to college i didn't want to i just didn't really see like the benefit of like the costs of it because it's like so expensive Mm -hmm. and like i didn't want to like spend all my money going to college and like getting a job behind a desk because i was like the one thing i didn't want to do when i was a kid is like i don't want to work behind a desk like that's yeah. the only thing and then what's your major finance <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you know life yeah. changes yeah, but yeah. so that was like my my whole thing and then these like uh national guard recruiters came to our school and were like they they come like every semester and they'd like put up this like climbing wall and stuff and i was always like yeah cool whatever and then i had a friend who was who joined it and she was like come this weekend and they'll pay me like an extra like 200 bucks. I'll give you, I'll give you it like, or half it or something like that. If you just come and like show up for the weekend and it was like, whatever. So I showed up, never got the hundred bucks, but like, <laughs> did, did she just did not she just give it, it to you? Or? Yeah. She's clowned me, bro. <laughs> and then I joined the national guard. So she really got me, but yeah, basically I, I did it. And it was like, got it was cool. I liked trial. it. It was like kind of, yeah, it was kind of fun. Like they, obviously they made it sound like super cool and all stuff. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Like they'll pay for college. Um, like it all just added up to be like this is like a good decision to make. Mm. So I took all the tests you had to take, like did well on them, and they're like, okay, you you scored well enough to get like this, like the the best job we can give you is like the best one I have, which was basically like a crypto linguist. Um, they were gonna send oh. me like, so I had to take this test. It's called the D Lab. Basically, they like make up this random language, and all the the test questions are like voiced. So there's nothing on the screen. You just have like A, B, C, D, and all of them are, are like voiced. And so you have to remember like four different sentences and like one has a little bit different, whatever. So I ended up like getting 105 on the test, which like what? you need a 97 to pass. And they're like, we haven't seen somebody pass in like six months, seven months. So I was like, oh, like I'm cool. Like awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're like, you have to come back in like a couple months to like, because I was taking some like malaria medicine because I was in Africa before. And they're like, we need to make sure you don't have just malaria. Ca- casually mentioned you were yeah. in Africa. <laughs> so they're like, they're trying to make sure I didn't have malaria, which like I'm taking yeah. medicine, so obviously I don't have it, but whatever. So, like, they're like, all right, come back in, like, 60 days or whatever. And then the day before, so the 59th day before I was going to go back, they changed the requirements from being 100, 197 on the, the test to be 107. So, I, but I didn't know that. So, I go to, like, the – it's called MEPS where, like, they, they test you. They, like, yeah. like, make you do, like, all this different stuff to make sure you're, like, physically fit and you're, like, yeah. not an idiot, whatever. So, I show up and, like, I go to sign the papers after doing all my tests. Like, there's, like, all right, you're good, you're good. I go to sign the papers and I'm, like, wait, that's not the job you told me I was going to get. And they're like, oh, yeah, about that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, this is a new one. Like, you're just going to get that. And I was like, oh, heck no. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, so I had to, like, sit there for, like, six hours and, like, try to figure out, like, what job I was going to do. And I ended up getting something kind of similar. And it was like, uh, I'm an intelligence analyst in the National Guard. So I spent, like, eight months training for that, like, two and a half months of boot camp. And then, like, I don't know, like, six-ish months of, like, advanced training. Came back. This is, like, right after high school. Came back, uh, worked in a factory for like three, four months, which is like kind of a very interesting experience. Definitely don't want to be like doing that ever again. (laughs) But then came to college. I only applied to U of I because like I could only go to free school. I go to free like school in state Illinois state school, Mm -hmm. and like U of I was just like the best option. So I only applied to Geese. Got into Geese, and like the rest is history. The rest is history. So. That's what it's actually like to be in the National Guard. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, okay. So, well, you just casually mentioned you lived in Africa. So, like, how, how was all that? I know you mentioned it earlier, too, with, like, the um, nonprofit. But, well, when when did you live in Africa? Like, how, how was that experience? So, I know you mentioned the coordinates, too. Yeah, so I've been there, but, like, five times now. Last time was 2017. But I lived there for, like, I don't know, a little, like, under a year. Um in i don't even remember what year i was like 12 13 something like that but that like that experience was like crazy for me because like living in like central illinois for my whole life like i thought i was poor like my family was like very like middle class um my dad didn't go like work at like a corporate job like he could have and he probably would have made way more money but he was like 
um when he was in college he like found god and was like i'm going all in on this and he likes worked at this uh company called intervarsity christian fellowship which basically they work on like college campuses and like spread the word of god so he like yeah. doesn't make much money right yeah. and then my mom like just stayed home and like homeschooled us so i was like homeschooled until like fifth grade so like my parents didn't make much money and so like i remember specifically like fifth grade when i like first year of going to school i like my like all the kids in school used to always make fun of my like outfits right because like i wouldn't get nice clothes and so i had these shoes that i like, hated and i was like get, like begging my parents to get me new shoes and they wouldn't because like they're they're fine like they they you can walk from here to there like it it's fine like it doesn't matter right so i would like ride my bike up and down the street and like put my feet on the ground instead of the pedals so like so they could like rub (laughs) off the bottom of my shoes so i could like get new shoes and that was like i that was like my perception of like the world i was in right and then going from that to like living in africa I think I got the timeline a little wrong, like when kids were making fun of my shoes because maybe it was in fifth grade. But yeah, yeah. That, whatever, that's not yeah, the point. Yeah. The point is I go to Africa and I see these kids like playing with a ball, like a soccer ball made out of like tied up grocery bags, like the ones you get at Walmart. And they're just having the time of their lives. And these kids have nothing. They like don't have food to eat when they go home. They don't have like clothes to wear. Like they're wearing the same clothes for like the same like, like two months. They don't have anything they don't have any opportunities to look forward to they're not going to go to college like that's not even an option they don't have like not even high school really like they don't even have anything and they have so much more joy than i ever had when i was sitting there like caring about these shoes that i was wearing on my feet they're like Mm. i didn't like the look of and like a kid said something mean about one time so like seeing that like i was talking about earlier it's like a frame-breaking experience where you don't realize your world is not the whole world like, mm-hmm. and the whole world is so much different than, like, just what you have and, like, yeah. your own little, like, viewpoint of it. So that was really frame-breaking for me, and that was, like, a, a crazy experience. I would say, like, if anyone could, I mean, yeah. I was talking to, to Austin yeah. recently, yeah. right, about, like, you were talking about wanting to go abroad or something. Yeah. I was saying, like, if you could have an experience instead of going to, like, Barcelona or, like, Vienna and going to clubs and, like, partying yeah, or whatever yeah, it is yeah, that yeah, like, yeah. people do when they go abroad and say like oh i had a, like a life-changing experience if you went and like lived in a, a community that didn't have the same opportunities that you do now it would change your life like it makes you more grateful for the opportunities you do have and it makes you want to take like advantage of those because you're literally if you why would you waste it when someone else yeah. doesn't have that yeah and then like when you got back did you like do anything did that motivate you to like start anything to like you know give back um so kind of so i'll tell you a little story so i'm walking with my dad in a market in uh the long way which is like the capital city city of malawi which is the country i lived in and we're in a market and this guy comes up to us he's probably like 18 19 years old and he's like yo like do you guys have any work for me to do like i just want i just want some money like i need work and we're like nah really like we don't we're just here and he's like i'll do anything like please i'll do anything and we're like okay, like, here's our address, like, come by tomorrow, we'll, like, find something for you to do, we'll give you some money for it. So he shows up the next morning, and he, uh, like, knocks on our gate, like, bright and early, and we're like, okay, he's here, so, like, yeah. you want to, like, wash our car? Like, here, we'll give you some money for that. And then we, like, gave him the money, and he, like, sent him on his way. Next morning, he's back, and we're like, oh, we don't have anything else for you to <laughs> yeah. do. Like, here, like, you can, like, help us with our garden or whatever. And, like, <laughs> it just kept coming back and back and back. And so we start getting, like, to know his story, and his name's Delore. He... He's, uh, all right, I'll start from the beginning. He was, when he was 13, he was in a boarding school mm-hmm. in like the country of the Congo, which is where he lived. Like, and he's at a boarding school. And one day he's like in class and he's just like AKs outside, like shooting up school. And so everybody in the school just runs out and he's like sprints out into the jungle. And he, like, where do you go? You're like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you go? Only place he knew was home. So he ran home to his village gets there and there's nothing there his whole his village had gotten bombed and like his family was nowhere to be found there's nothing so what do you do you're 13 you got flip-flops on shirt on your back nothing else you don't got an iphone you don't got some like money in your wallet like you don't have anything so what do you do he walked 2,000 miles from like where he was where his like village was all the way down ended up in the in the refugee camp in africa so, like, to put that in context, that'd be if you guys walk from Champaign, Urbana, all the way to Mexico City. 
except that every single state you walked through was a different country that spoke a different language that you didn't know. And you had nothing except for like the clothes on your back. You didn't have Google Maps. Like you don't have anything. You don't, there's not like a McDonald's you can stop by on the way yeah, to get yeah. some food. So you're 13 years old and you show up in a new place that you don't know anyone at. You don't know the language. You don't know anything. So he's here and he's been there for over 20 years now. And being a refugee means that you're not allowed to have a job. So if you, like basically the way it works is like, if a bunch of refugees come into your country and like get jobs, they'd be taking jobs away from the people that already live there. And Malawi is like one of the, like it's been consistently ranked in the top like five most poorest countries in the world. So the people there are already struggling. Then you bring a refugee who can't get a job legally. And what does that leave him to do? To come up some random white dudes in the market and ask for a job to clean a car or something, mm-hmm. right? And so the UN, which is like the, the people that run the, the refugee camp, mm-hmm. they have enough resources for... 13,000 refugees, there's 50,000 refugees in this camp. So they have to spread those resources to 50,000 people. So you're getting not enough food to survive and you're not allowed to get a job to work. So what do you do? Like, what is your opportunity there? Who knows? And every kid I talked to when I was there, they all have aspirations, they have dreams, they have things they want to do. And like, you come back to like the States and like, what does a kid in the States want to do? Like play video games and like watch TikTok. And so it's like, such a stark contrast between the life I was living in versus the reality that these people have to live in by no other reason than just where they were born or the situation they were in. It's not because they like were lazy or they, it's nothing to do with them as a person. It's just literally just the cars they were dealt. Yeah. So that's like kind of what stuck out to me being coming back and like seeing, holy cow, like these are like what people, this is what people legitimately have to go through. And so it wasn't necessarily me. Like, I wouldn't take any credit for it. But, like, um, because of that experience, like, us being there, meeting Delore, um, being a part of, like, his life, seeing the refugee camp, all this type of stuff, he wanted to do something and, like, give back to the people that were in the refugee camp. And so there's this other guy named Freddie who had a very similar situation. Um, I mean, if you think 50,000 people all living in this one camp, they all have very similar stories to Lore. Like he's not an outlier. Yeah. His story's not like something crazy you hear there compared to like anyone else because everyone else has similar stories. So there's all these people that have like terrible reasons to bring them into this place, right? So Freddie's another one. He had a very similar experience and he had a, a limp. So he had like a limp in his leg, um, a disability that people really looked out upon because in African culture, like if you're, if you have a disability, it means that like your parents did something wrong and like you're they're getting punished for that by having a kid with disability. So like basically these people kids are like treated less than human. Wow. And so like you'll you'll find these kids like with disabilities like literally outside of the village, like dead. By whatever reason. Maybe it's malnourishment, maybe it's like someone killed them. Yeah. And so Delore, like from us being there and like meeting him and like all this stuff, I think we kind of made an impression on him. And he like, he said he wanted to do something about it. So my family started like paying uh, or giving some money and like funding uh, the beginning of what like has now become like a nonprofit that we run. Um, So we've been funding it for 13-ish years now. Um, And basically the, what it does is it's a feeding center for like kids with disabilities. So you feed like two to 300 kids with disabilities, one meal a day, Monday through Friday. And then there's also a school for these kids that they can like learn languages, all the different things you learn, like elementary school or grammar school or whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so you take, <laughs> so you take these, uh, these kids and you give them a place to be yeah. away from their family to where their, their parents can now not have to take care of them. And they can like go out and like try to make some money somehow. And then there's also, we have a, um, the nonprofit runs like a, a center for, for single women where they teach them skills, whether it's like sewing, uh, making cards, gardening, whatever it is. They teach them skills and then gives them like microfinance loans basically to start their own businesses with those skills that they've acquired. So a couple like women will come together and like start a business. Um, so it's like two, 300 bucks or whatever. And like maybe it's a sewing machine or maybe it's like some something to start a business, whatever it is. Um, so it's empowering them to like be able to like be self-sufficient. And then 
Uh, there's a couple other things like it, we're trying to do now. Um, for a long time, we were just like sending money and like building out this community, like this uh, like organization without like really any structure to it. Um, so now in like this past year, uh, we've like got it uh, incorporated as a nonprofit. Uh, it's called Hope and Help, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that, but it, we've incorporated it as a nonprofit and like trying to get like marketing everything like right and like expanding because there's so many more issues. Like you could literally send like millions and millions and millions of dollars and like not fix the issues, still right? Be problems after yeah, there's still be yeah. problems. So like the sky's the limit of like what can be possible with like working on this with like the nonprofit. And so I'm really trying to like work harder at expanding it to a point where it's like helping more and more people with like more th- more more issues i guess that was kind of a really long-winded answer sorry uh i mean it contained a couple of stories so that was like cool to hear do you think like in the future like the nonprofit is something that you would want to like work for like full-time or is it just like something that like you would want to keep on the side as like a passion so the playbook for a while for me personally has been um get out of college get a, like a w-2 job build real estate like portfolio that can sustain my like necessary income in order to like live yeah. so that way i can be like financially free and then once i'm financially free go full-time on like real estate stuff to build to a point where i can number one like invest into the like nonprofit, and number two build it enough so it can be self-sustaining so i can go full-time into nonprofit. if the nonprofit's still the place where i feel like my energy and time and effort are like best well spent in order to like make an impact so that's kind of like the the playbook right now it's obviously hard to like make it that concrete, like at 23 and then yeah. like, like yeah. that's what exactly what's going to happen. But like, that's the playbook. That's like North star. And like, if it works out that way, that'd be great. But if like need to pivot, like yeah. maybe, but that's kind of yeah. like my overall like plan with it. Have your, uh, have your brothers been Africa? My little brothers have yeah. not my, so I have five siblings. I have an older brother who's 25. Yeah. I have a younger, younger brother who's 21 sister's 19 and two little brothers you're 12 my yeah. two little brothers are 12 haven't been yeah um, do you ever feel like um do you ever try and like reinforce lessons that you learn through like seeing like what goes on over there like to them like it's like, yeah kids, definitely it's like it, it's kind of hard to like give it the same impact if yeah you have to be it. there yeah. to like for it to be impactful like that and like honestly i don't know like about you guys if if you've experienced the same thing but i've kind of seen like throughout my life like the times have changed almost to where like when I was a kid, I had like one hour of like screen time, like <laughs> yeah. a week. And then it changed like, okay, I have one hour screen time a day. Yeah. Now, like my little brothers are like TikTok all day yep. or like YouTube or whatever. Like they're like playing Minecraft all day. And every time hey, I hey, see hey, them, they're hey, all, all they do Minecraft is like, kid all they do is like grind Minecraft, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, guys, yeah. get some sunlight, like go outside, like be kids, you know yeah. what I mean? And so it's Andrew like, Andrew Huberman wouldn't approve of this. Yeah. Like it's, it's just like, I don't know. It's hard to, to instill in someone like anything in my opinion, when they're so focused on like getting random dopamine from like video games which i think is so such negative yeah. i think the one thing i have tried to like build into them is like a sense of entrepreneurialism like yeah. we did like uh, snow removal for like the last couple of years where i'd bring them on and like have them sell like people oh we'll, we'll remove the snow off your uh your, like driveway like you'll pay us whatever like price it is for it and then i'd like pay them like way more money than they'd ever make anywhere else like they work for my dad and my dad does like flipping real estate stuff or contracting work and he'll they'll pay him like he'll pay him like four or five bucks an hour and like make him invest like two or three bucks out of it yeah so they like hate it so i'll give them like 50 bucks an hour and they're like whoa what do i do with all this money and they'll probably just go blow it right yeah but this last year there was like a big snowstorm coming and my little brother was like like i had my mom's phone called me it was like you want to go like get these people like snow like do snow removal and all that stuff and like i was like right, you be you be the boss i'll be the employee this year like you go like find a bunch yeah. of people to sell to like figure out the price like upsell them on like salt all this type of stuff and then it didn't end up snowing like <laughs> it was literally just like melted as soon as it hit the ground so, like it didn't work out but like that's the first step i think is like instilling some type of entrepreneurialism in them and then like the impact thing with the africa stuff like you really just have to be there yeah like, you can talk yeah. about it all you want and like you can tell stories and it doesn't yeah. hit the same. Yeah. It, it just doesn't. Yeah. You talked a lot about like, you said like your dad's into real estate and like how 
you would want to go you want to go into real estate like mm-hmm. where's that passion from or like why why real estate or, I, I was like 15 like, what sitting in a car estate? with my dad and on the radio they hear we hear like uh some commercial for like <laughs> come come listen to like our our speech about how to get rich or something and my dad's like that sounds cool and i was like that sounds really cool like we should go so we go it's like this little like conference or whatever there's like 20 people in this room we like it was free we showed up and they're like real estate is how you make money or whatever and then they upsell you on a different like oh we're getting a call <laughs> they, they basically upsell you on a second um we're good <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah, i got i got lost in the sauce there um okay so they basically upsell you on a second like conference or whatever so it was like 300 bucks so i was like we're like whatever we went and it's like fortune builders i think is the name of it um so we went there and like this this bald guy with a rolex was like up there flexing how much money he made and all that stuff or like whatever and they're trying to sell you on like this like multi-thousand dollar a year mm-hmm. experience like be a part yeah. of their real estate but we didn't want to do all that but my dad was like super into it i was like 15 at the time mm-hmm. so my dad bought a house for like 20 grand in the town we lived in and that next summer <clears throat> i spent like every every morning at like 7 a.m my dad would like get out of bed we're going to work <laughs> we go work we like work till 3 p.m i'd have football practice walk to the school do football practice walk back and my dad would still be working and he'd be like all right like keep working and like some nights we'd be there till like 2 a.m because there's wires hanging out of the house and my dad's like we're not leaving till it's finished mm-hmm. so i'd be like falling asleep trying to like you know wire up these outlets or like yeah. whatever and <clears throat> i hated it I was like, I never want to do this again. This is terrible. My dad didn't pay me a cent. Yeah. Because yeah. he was like, oh, well, you'll get paid when we sell the house. Mm-hmm. And then he started renting it. And he's like, oh, well, you'll get paid when we sell the house. So I was like, come on. Man. Like, <laughs> Where's my what money? Do you work? <laughs> exactly. So I worked like so many hours. I, I don't even know how many it was, but it was yeah. a ton. And then he finally sold the house and paid me a thousand bucks, which is like a dollar yeah, an hour, two dollars yeah. an hour, yeah. like nothing. Mm-hmm. But I bought my first car with it. And yeah. it was like. I was like, you know what? Like, maybe this isn't so bad. Like, maybe yeah. it isn't so bad. And, and so we started, we kept to doing do, it. Like, the exact same thing, right? Yeah. And, like, a couple years down the line. Yeah. So we just kept kept doing it. We kept flipping houses, um, like, every Saturday of, like, high school from, like, that moment on. I think it was, like, end of freshman year. Every, like, Saturday, Sunday, Friday night, like, we, I'd be working, doing, like, whatever it is, like, construction stuff, contracting, whatever. Um and that was like, I learned so much from that. And my dad paid me like 10 bucks an hour. And then like, I finally was like, dad, you need to pay me more. His, like 11 bucks an hour, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then last week I did a, uh, I put in a microwave for some lady, made 75 bucks an hour. So like, I don't know. It starts, yeah. you gotta start somewhere. But yeah. I really like the physical aspect of the real estate stuff. Like mm-hmm. you can take something from being like ugly, disgusting, ruined, broken to being like nice and beautiful, something someone would want. And that's like really amazing. Mm-hmm. I worked at PwC Tech Consulting last summer, and basically, I worked just for sale with Salesforce, which is like a, yeah. a platform that yeah. businesses use to do basically anything mm-hmm. like IT related. So I was working with that, and a new hire in the tech consulting practice at PwC doing Salesforce has like a three month training period. My internship was seven weeks. They just threw you in, like whatever, figure it out. So I didn't have any training, anything. And I'm sitting there like every day, like, what is this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like platform. I'm just like going there, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like just yeah. hanging out in there. And I'd be trying to figure it out. Like I was trying super hard. I, I definitely like, figure some stuff out. But I remember one meeting, we went to Atlanta for like a client meeting and we were in like this room, this boardroom, like 40 people. And there was a bunch of different like consulting firms on this one project. And one of the consulting firms, I'm not gonna say who it was, they were like messing everything up. Cause the, there's like a, this thing called MuleSoft, which sends like APIs from one software to another. And so basically like it has these two things, systems linked and they were like messing it up. So it wasn't linking. And oh, I know they were saying. kept trying to blame people for like what was happening on these different things. Right. So they got like, like oh, like we can't pull these APIs because this is broken or this is whatever. So they just kept on every meeting we'd have. They try to throw someone on the bus. Right. And we're sitting in a meeting with like the director of the company we're working for, like these like exec executives, my boss's boss's boss, like, <laughs> 40 people, right? And I'm sitting there just like an intern, the only intern in the whole room. And this random guy from this company says, yeah, um, somebody's been messing up the API calls from this from Salesforce side. Uh, Jacob Swinney? And I'm like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> no and I'm sitting in a meeting like, bro, like, what do I say? Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know anything with this. I was yeah. like, I just had to like BS my way out of it. I like, ended up getting my way out of it. And like, it ended up working out. 
But like going from that and then I had like a week off in the, in the middle of summer and I went home and I like did a contracting job and like somebody needed a door. So I put in a door. There was like no door and I put in a door and I saw it from going from like just an empty walkway to having like a nice door with a door handle and everything. And I was like, man, screw tech consulting. Like <laughs> screw all this like computer stuff. Like it's just so much better to see something physical. And like that's what gives me the passion behind it is like just seeing the before and after. Like I'm sure people watch HGTV, you know, yeah. like the Chip mm-hmm. and Joanna Gaines or whatever. And they love that. Like you can see that in real life. Like you can be a part of that and do that. And it's like yeah. really exciting. Yeah. The instant gratification yeah, right there. Definitely. I'm looking, I'm looking at the board. I see a lot of stuff. Uh, no, here, here, I got, I got, okay. So yeah, you're talking about like, you know, always want to like enjoy like doing this, like, you know, like, um, like contractor stuff where you're like, you're putting a door or something like that. But this summer, right. You're going to be in a house with a bunch of people that like the majority of them aren't, they're doing something on their computers. Right. So how are you feeling about that? Um, I know you've talked about it a little bit before, but how is that, is that going to be like a big change of pace to like what you're used to when it comes to finding ways to like spend your time especially when it comes to making money so before i give context about what this is basically i called my dad and i'm like dad i had this opportunity should i do it and he's like like probably not like i mean he's like do whatever you gotta do but like i wouldn't because like you're gonna hate it and i was like i ended up doing it so basically like we i'm really in this podcast called my first million it's great podcast um and they had a pitch competition with like some kids from umich um and it was run by this thing called Entrepreneur Power Hour, which is rob- run by this kid named Bobby. And basically, it's like an entrepreneurial community where they all come together and like talk about entrepreneur stuff. And a lot of them have like really good businesses. The pitch comp was amazing. They had some amazing I to businesses. I listened the Stanford one today. That is it just, was it good? It was. It was. Yeah, they, like, so they're my age and then like 170k in revenue. So they, <laughs> so like, so what? so Stanford actually yeah. is partnered with Umich now, and they're doing a Power Hour. Um, what do you chapter? I don't know what you yeah, call it, but yeah. it's something like that at uh, Stanford. And that's like how they got connected to my first million. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Luke Clancy, who's one of our good friends, I sent him the podcast. Like, do you have to listen to this? And he sent, because he's trying to build like a same, similar community that Bobby did. So he reached out to Bobby, him and Aiden Murphy, and they got on a call and he goes, yo, you guys could sh- should come up and like be at this retreat that we have the, a couple weekends from now. And they kept sending us stuff like these paragraphs about like what it's going to be like or whatever and i'm like bro like i don't belong here they're like it is a super like highly highly serious like don't tell anyone about this because like not everyone gets invited like you have to be a killer to be here and i'm like bro like i don't belong here like so anyways we end up showing up and it was a great experience met a bunch of dudes there they're all doing like they all have some type of business like dudes with like 600k and like under management and their hedge fund like dude running this thing called tabs chocolate which is like sex chocolate and made like five million dollars in revenue last year <laughs> yeah, yeah. going viral on tiktok every day yeah. like dudes running like 60 instagram accounts for like all the people that get come to like room get roommate matching at like universities where like Brittany or whatever will be like i'm really excited to come to U- university of illinois and i, I really want to go out but i also like staying in and i kind of want to rush a sorority and like all this stuff and like yeah, people yeah. Will post all those posts on like instagram or whatever it used to be like facebook groups they like this guy runs all those and so i was just like whoa like this is dope like these people are awesome yeah. and then a couple weeks later i get a call and it's from bobby and he's like dude we got a house this summer in austin texas like there's gonna be 10 dudes living there you want it you want in tell me by tomorrow and i was like Phew. i had all this stuff planned out for the summer like i was like this is what i'm gonna do this is the way i'm gonna and I called my dad and he was like, you're going to hate it. Like, I wouldn't do it. Like, you can do it, but I wouldn't do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so to answer your question, long story short, um, I just want to get frame broken again. Like, mm-hmm. my world is real estate, boring businesses, like, working with my hands, stuff like that. And I've always been, like, so anti, like, sit behind the computer, or, like, do, I don't know internet businesses or whatever yeah. like the Drop zero to one, the zero to one yeah, type yeah. stuff where it's yeah. like peter Thiel's whole thing of like starting a business from nothing and like building a product market fit also i've always been super against that but i've also never given myself like a ton of opportunity to like go for that and just like try it i guess and i've always just like hated it for like just because <laughs> so i'm will i'm willing to like put myself in that like situation to like try it out and see like who knows and like even if I, I still end up hating it. I think I'll get a lot of good from it because number one, like I'm meeting a bunch of like cool people that are doing cool stuff. Number two, like you can still take things that they're doing and like 
bring into your own business. Like for example, when I do real estate, I'm have to like get people like I want to get people to like invest into my business and like BLPs of my like private equity real estate fund. These people, like two of the people living in the house, run a hedge fund and have 600k in funding. So I can learn a lot from like how they got went about getting funding. They're like 22 years old. Like who trusts them with their money, right? Yeah. So like learning things like that from these people. It'll be a great opportunity. Secondly, being in Austin is dope. Like Austin's yeah. sick. There's a huge startup community there. I'm I'm still like really into startups and like entrepreneurship and stuff. So meeting a lot of people there. There's some like a lot of real estate people there that I want to meet. Um, and yeah, just being in a house with a bunch of studs that are like doing cool stuff and like doing exciting things, I think will be like a good experience. Yeah, I think I think it's like one of those experiences that like you can never you. It's like one of those things where. You, you'll barely ever get a chance to do that again. So I Yeah, think- like going to San Francisco with your friends the summer after your freshman year. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right, you're right. No, he's, he's right. Like, it's it's one of those experiences, like, now only say yes. Worst com- <laughs> Just keep worst, worst come worst, maybe you'll hate it, which is, like, probably not going to happen, right? So, I mean, you'll learn so much from them. So it's, like, an experience that you can't really, like, say yes to it say yes to every opportunity right? right like i could say like no i need to start like keep working on my business or like yeah. keep building out this contracting business or like buy some real estate properties and like yeah like i am putting that aside for a little bit but at the same time like, i have a full-time job lined up that i'm going to be doing and like three months like is or two months is like not that serious it was like very cheap it there wasn't much downside it was like yeah, an asymmetric yeah. risk profile where like the downside is like not that much but like mm. the upside could be huge like yeah who knows i couldn't yeah click with a guy and like my skill set could really like lend them it's to his business and I could be like part of a like startup you know it could yeah, be anything yeah. you never know like what the opportunities are but there's a ton of them that could be like yeah huge mm-hmm. whereas the downside is like I wasted two months and like had a good time in Austin mm-hmm. like yeah. it doesn't seem that bad to me <laughs> yeah yeah like, we were talking before like this is like um and like we had an interesting dialogue about it because like neither one of us had like a absolute like like one side thing but like I feel like if you do something with someone, you, the chance of you regretting it's probably lower, you know? Like, because, I mean, I think most people have their regret when they isolated themselves off and they're, like, always, like, working on one thing. But if you, like, worked with a bunch of people on something, then the chance of you regretting it, I feel like, is lower. As a, it's a, that's, a very general, that's a very generalized thing to say. But I think especially socially. Um, I feel like most people, most people are, like, good people that are, like, fun to be around, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 90% of people and, like, doing something even if it sucks like you're probably gonna bond with the person more if it sucks anyways and so Mm -hmm. like having that bond and like learning from it like every experience is a learning experience right like Mm -hmm. if you take it that way if you just do it and like oh whatever that sucked moving on yeah yeah i mean maybe not like it's a waste of time sure yeah but like at least you had fun with it like but if you sit down and think like these are things i took from this and like the next one will be better for this reason this reason Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, very low risk in, like, doing anything, especially if you can, like, still pay for your bills and aren't, like, living under an underpass or something. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. All right, I'm going to ask you one last thing. One or two? Pick a number. Two. Two. Okay. 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 No, no, no. Did you you want to add something before that? There was just, like, one little more, like, thing I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, like with like you walked in here, like you're like business counsel, like like it was like scrapbook. That's like the weird way of describing it. How? What? What is it? So basically it's like the, yeah, it's a scrapbook, right? Yeah. Like, so I just came from like the last like met, like new member meeting for mm-hmm. like business council. Business council is like a professional business organization. It's like yeah. basically a business fraternity, but like not really um, mm-hmm. on campus here. And like, I've done it for two, three years now. Um, dude, freshman year, I didn't do like anything. I was, mm-hmm. I joined ROTC, it like didn't work out. But mm-hmm. like other than that, I didn't do anything. And I was like literally gonna drop out of like geese and mm-hmm. I was gonna go do like kinesiology or something. Wow. So, I was like just lost and like had yeah. like no vision for like what I was gonna do. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what consulting, banking. I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything yeah. because I was just misguided freshman. Like being a freshman here at U of I, like I feel like most kids come from like a suburb, and so they know like ten kids at least that went to freaking U of I, right? Or they went to a college. I didn't know anyone <laughs> that went to college. I didn't know a single yeah, person that yeah. went to college besides my older brother who went to community college, and like. He was, like, not really into, like, he didn't care that much about it. So he just, yeah. like, played video games or whatever, right? So I didn't have a blueprint of, like, what do I do in college? What what does a, it mean to succeed in college? I don't know. So I just came to college and, like, well, I'll just figure it out. Like, had a good time freshman year. Like, yeah, sure, I went out, yeah. like, had a good time. But I didn't do anything, like, really worthwhile except for, like, buying a house. Like, that was the only thing, like, really. Yeah, besides just buying a house. Yeah, I just bought a house. Casually. Yeah, but I was still just, like, yeah, whatever. But yeah, I was yeah, still yeah, just, no, like, no, no. so misguided and, like, didn't yeah. know 
what to do. So I was going to drop out of geese. Like I was very, very heavily considering it, but I was like, all right, I'll give it one more semester. And somebody told me about like biz frats and I was like, oh, sounds cool. Like whatever. So I like, ended up uh, rushing, got into VC, which is like business council. Um, and now like what, two or three years later, I just did like the new member chair, which is basically like the person who takes like the new member class mm-hmm. and like gets them acclimated to council. So whether that's yeah. like through connecting with all the other people in council, like giving them professional advice, all this different type of stuff, right? Um, and so we just had our last meeting just now before Ooh. this, and yeah. um, they like the class like made me like a little scrapbook that was like it was pretty nice. I haven't yeah. read it. I haven't really looked at it yet. Yeah. So, like, I just opened it like saw a couple of pictures, yeah. but. I haven't got a chance to check it out, but it seems like really nice. They all wrote me a little note and stuff. So if you could give one message to him, what would, what would it be? Yeah, so I just gave my fr- last. I guess gave me a la- I gave a tip of the week every week. Okay. Um, my biggest one was like, don't be a bot, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like this kind. Con- like basically, like everyone says, like, oh, like you're a bot, whatever, and like you're an NPC, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. like, I don't think people really like take that into like consideration. I guess. Yeah. But really, what it means is like people get so pushed in like certain things. Like if you're in a biz frat, like yeah. I know you're in PCT, like everyone around you is getting applauded for doing certain things. You get a job at like some offer and everybody's like, oh my God, like you're amazing, yeah, right? Yeah. And I guys talk about Rudra, like he has said the same thing. Like people don't really like think you're cool until you get that offer and they're like, whoa, you're so cool. And they don't see like all the other stuff on the side, right? So what does that say to you as a person? You're like, if I wanna be like looked up to or I want people to see me in a certain way, I need to do that same thing. And I need to get this like certain type of job, a certain type of offer. I need to do the certain type of thing. And I need to follow the same path as everyone else because that's what people are getting applauded for. And you're not thinking that consciously. You're not like, oh, that, but like, it's just a human nature thing. Like you want to follow in the path of like what people do and like you want to get applauded and you want that external validation just like everyone else does, right? And so when you get into these certain areas of groups of people where they're getting applauded or they're getting like validation for these certain things, you're gonna get sucked into doing those certain things. And so being a bot just means you're just getting sucked into those certain things. I mean, stopping and thinking, is this actually what I like or what I wanna do? Like, is this actually good for me? I don't know. I, I mean, I went like last semester, I went to talk to these kids, like, uh, are we running short on time? No, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. <laughs> we, uh, we're good. Um, okay, so so I went to this thing, and it's like basically like two biz frats come together and like the new members and like pledges like talk to seniors, right? So I talked to 10 kids in this other biz frat, 10 of them, 10 of them said they want to do consulting. Every single one of them, when I asked them why they want to do consulting, could give me an answer. Not a single one could give me an answer of like, this is why I like consulting. And so I pushed uh, them a little bit. Like, wait, what do you, have you heard about consulting? They're like, oh, I did a case comp once. Like, did you like it? Like, I don't really know. It's okay. They're like, what have you heard? And they say all the basic things people hear, right? They, hear, they say, you know, it's fast paced. They say, oh, you can learn a lot of stuff. Oh, they have a lot of extra opportunities. Yeah. Okay. Well, like. Do you want to do a fast-paced bike? They're like, I don't know. Like, what does an extra opportunity look like? And they're like, I don't know. Like, what do you, what extra opportunity yeah. do you want? I don't know. So they don't stop and think like, what is it that I actually want out of my life? What is it that I actually want to get from my life or like a job or career or anything? And it's like, that's one area where it shows like, oh, they didn't even stop and think. But there's so many other things. Like, I'm going to go to freaking Lion later or whatever. And like, why am I going? Oh, because all my friends said they're going. Well, do you want to go? I don't know. I didn't even stop and think about it. I just did yeah. it. Right? And so like. People just get sucked into doing these like these basic things that like will have effects on your life years and years from now, right? Uh, Clayton Christensen, do you know who that is? He's a guy like you really look into him. He uh, he just died recently, but he was like this very like big person in the business world. He uh, wor- worked at, like Harvard Business School, got his MBA there. He wrote an article. It's called How to Measure Your Life, and basically the article is like about he went back for his like I don't know some some like reunion with his Harvard Business School class of like the MBA class. And he looked around and he said, look at all these people, like super successful, right? But this guy works at Enron, okay? He's going to jail. This guy's getting divorced. That guy's getting divorced. This guy, his kids hate him. He looked around and no one actually had like a good life, right? They had a quote unquote successful life, right? Yeah. And so he's saying like, how is it that you actually measure your life like really determines how your life will actually be. Because what do they measure their life from? Just the vanity metrics that are easy to measure that other people look from the outside and say, oh, he's doing it good. Dude made 500K last year. Dude made $2 million last year. Like he's doing great. But like he never sees kids. His wife hates him. Like he's going down for security fraud because he like did insider trading. Like, you know what I mean? So like they're just, they didn't think about how they're actually gonna measure their life, what they actually care about, what's actually important to them. They just did the things that are like society says, this is what's important. Right. Yeah. And so 
I guess the like the main concept of this is like college is the time where you have the most opportunity to like actually stop and think, what is it that I want? You have opportunity to try new things. You have the opportunity to like fail and nothing matters. Like you can start a business, you can start a podcast, you can do anything you want. And what's gonna happen? You don't have to like make a paycheck every month and pay for yourself. But then 10 years from now, what's gonna happen? You get sucked into a career, you do it, and then you you keep going up the ladder. And then say you, you hate it. What are you gonna do? Switch careers and go back down the ladder and make less money? Now you got a wife and kids you gotta take care of. You can't just like, your risk profile just goes, like you can't take that much risk, right? And so people don't stop and think because they're too busy like just going with the flow and doing whatever everyone else does in college. And so that's like the whole concept of yeah. don't be a bot, right? It's yeah, just like, yeah. think about what you're doing. Think about what actually matters to you and like go for that versus just doing what everyone else does and hoping it works out because it might work out. Like, but that's a lottery ticket. Yeah. And I personally don't want to play the lottery with my own life. Yeah, I want to live a life that like, I'm sure like 100 times out of 100 times, it's going to work out for me. Yeah, I think I think I've noticed that a lot here. It's like people people are like, oh, I have a role model. My role models, oh, they're working at Boeing, they're working at SpaceX next year, they're working at uh, Bain, they're working at <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shout out Rudra, I guess. But yeah, and Rohan. Um, but and none of those are bad. No, right? yeah, it's not it's bad. Like, but they'll like see they're working at this company and it. then like, oh, I'm gonna just copy what they do. They did this. Oh, they joined IBC. They joined ICA. All this that they're like, okay, that's the road. There's like one set road to get there. And we were talking to Rowan about this in our in the podcast a couple of days ago last week or something. And he was like telling us he thought that same way. Like there was this set path to get to that level, to get to that like job at Bain, get to like that big three consulting. And then he gets to that. He meets all these people at, at Bain. And he's like, everyone's story is completely different. There's no it's not like that's the one route. The route is not, oh, let me join all these consulting orgs and then get get an internship and then get that job. Everyone's everyone's route there was like completely different. So. I, I, I like the don't be a bot. It's like you got to write your own story, get to that level, get to that point on your own. But I'm going to ask you one last question. We asked you one or two, right? You said two. So two years from now, what's like a goal you have for yourself? Something you want done like 85% of the way. No, uh, uh, yeah, 80, 85% done. So yeah, it's not yeah, something yeah. that's going to be like, it's not oh, like, well, like, like, you know. All right, so I want to buy, my goal is to buy like one asset every year mm -hmm. at least. Um, I think that's kind of, on the low numbers, I'm gonna say I wanna buy like two or three assets, which would be like real estate properties mm -hmm. by two years from now. So that'd be like 2025, I shoot by shot. I don't know, three, like three, three, three? three properties, three properties under my name, like renting out, making cash flow. Mm. And uh, I'll be, that's what I'll be. And I'll probably be moving on from my PwC role into either another like real estate private equity firm or um, some startup somewhere. Cool. It's cool about like being like this age is like we can like we actually have this recorded so like we'll come back to this in two years and like we'll I'll see we'll you. see how it works we will we'll see where it's at but uh on that note on the fourth episode in a row we're like ending right when we're gonna get kicked out yeah. but it's, you wouldn't want it any other way um but thank you for coming on it was a great time uh we we, we got a lot from the conversation as well and uh for those of you listening i hope you had a great day and i hope that you have a great day tomorrow as well so thank you Awesome. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, guys.